So we here at Eye to Eye are glad to have a brand new array of partnerships and sponsorships, local and otherwise. And this episode is going to be brought to you by Janique Locks. This is my homegirl, Regina, who takes care of my hair. Y'all see how good that looks, right? Anyway, yeah, so she specializes in all kinds, dreadlocks, micro locks, sister locks, lock extensions, instant locks, interlocking, and more. If you are in the 757 and you're interested in potentially starting this process, don't hesitate, man. Go ahead and visit her. Uh, you can find her on Instagram at Janique Locks, and that is G-E-N-I-Q-U-E-L-O-C-S. Again, Instagram at Janique Locks, or why don't you go ahead and visit that website, JaniqueLocks.com. Janique Locks, where locks are envied. All right, now let's get to this podcast, yo. Good people, welcome, welcome, welcome to Eye to Eye, short for Inspired to Inspire, a podcast that's all about being open, honest, and real about life and faith, and willing to boldly go where most folks ain't trying to. That's for the cause of the kingdom, for no other reason. Anyway, my name is Jordan. My name is Devin. And we are glad to be here and have good old conversations and things have been wild and things yeah. have been happening. And Ooh, it's been a week. It's been a week. Actually, really, it's been a two weeks. Well, uh, that's true. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool when you get to pre-record certain things and then you can publish them and you ain't got to worry about things. And <laughs> yeah, and then, you were trying to and then take we have a, a backlog of yeah, things we exactly. want to talk about that, that go almost too far back. Yeah, we... Good God, yeah. This ain't going to be no Joe Rogan podcast. No. I, ain't, I ain't got... We don't have three hours. Four, but. man. Four or five, man. That man's wild. You know, the, the funny thing is, is he's still the number one podcast. Yeah. So I'm wondering exactly why. But at the same time, I think he might have a method because I think a lot of people put him on mm-hmm. and then they just put him in the background and go and do, <laughs> do what they're doing. I mean, doing. probably. I mean, yeah. the, I listen to, you know, the Levitard show mm-hmm. daily. And I guess if you kind of add up the whole time, um, you know, skipping commercials and stuff, it's probably like two, two and a half hours of content a day yeah. maybe Sounds about um, right. but that's more traditional radio format but yeah. when you're just podcasting format that's ridiculous yeah because yeah. you're not like taking forced breaks no nah. you know nah, i mean maybe, maybe they're they are but it doesn't seem it's pretty nah, conversational seriously, yeah, I, yeah. I, I seriously doubt that I've, I've had a chance to watch a few of those say they live stream it too, too right yeah. yeah and so yeah it's not like yeah. joe asks us a, like he'll ask a question so yeah what were you uh, thinking when you yeah. did a uh, dumb dumb whatever whatever yeah. and then like somebody's answering he just takes his headphones off and goes to the bathroom and comes back. <laughs> <laughs> like yo that was a good answer yeah uh, no, it's not like that yeah i was disappointed by joe this week because uh he officially endorsed uh, Bernie Sanders, um, even though he had my guy, Andrew, Andrew Yang, on uh, earlier this year, or, well, I guess it's last year. Now we're in a new year. Uh-huh. Um, but he, he, didn't give, he didn't give Andrew the nod, but that's all right. We got Chappelle. We got Donald Glover. <laughs> we got Hannibal Burris. So, you know, Andrew Yang's doing all right for himself. Yeah. So. In, the, in the wide world of comedians, ain't nobody holding a candle to that man. I mean, no. I'm sure other people do, but let's, let's face facts. Yeah. I don't know who Gaffigan's endorsed. <laughs> <laughs> so like maybe some of the roasters out there maybe, yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah roasting comedians oh my god oh, jeff yeah. ross right yeah yeah, yeah. exactly mm-hmm. yeah we, all right we ain't got time no okay cool so yeah tonight we are uh well, like i said we were trying to figure out exactly what we were really going to talk about obviously um this week uh if you yeah. were a basketball fan um if you yeah, were just exactly. really a fan of life when it came down to it because it was he was about more than basketball uh then you heard about uh, the tragedy that was uh, the the helicopter crash with Kobe Bryant and his his daughter Gigi and then uh, the other seven up there. You know, our prayers are definitely out to all of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just it's really crazy. We'll, we'll we'll take some time in the end and we'll reflect on that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we literally had to go to the cutting room floor on this one because 
Yeah, it's, it's honestly been about a good three weeks since we've really come together and sat down and, and had conversations about a bunch of stuff. And so, yeah. yeah, we've got a little hub where we put like all the stories of the the topics that we're interested in. And I went back through it and I was just like, yeah, now we're, <laughs> it's going to be a minute. Yeah. And we, we have, you know, 20 things we want to get to. Mm-hmm. And then the news from Sunday hits and, and suddenly um, there was really only one thing I felt like talking about, even though I, I didn't feel like talking about it. Um, right. You know. And, uh, yeah. so, so we will, we'll, we'll address that. And yeah. And captain cinephile over here is up here. But, you know, <laughs> I, mean, I kid you not, yo, bro, like, as, as we, as we're, I have as a we're chart, talking, man. yeah, I know he, he created a chart and, the, and believe it or not, this is, it, it looks like it's like really academic and there's all these, these numbers and, and all this other <laughs> stuff. And I kid you not legitimately what these papers represent is supposed to be hashtag Oscar. So white. And I'm just like, okay. Well, yeah. I mean, listen, I, I'm, I very much want, want numbers to back up like belief. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, uh, you know, and, and I'm more than happy to admit that Oscar's so white cause, cause they are. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I also was just like empirically interested in how the data stacked up. And, uh, so yeah, I, I'll, we'll get into that when I do my, uh, I'll throw out a little movie minute, which will be 10 minutes. Yeah. yeah. No, bonus episode. <laughs> I know. I was about to say, I was like, yeah, that, that needs to be. I mean, the Oscars are coming up, man. That's a lot own. to talk about. I get it. I get it. Yeah. I get it. Trust me. I'm I mean, one of the, you know. the few people under 60 that still cares about them. So Yeah, this is very true. I know. Yeah. We can talk about the Grammys from this past Sunday, but no. We I, can talk about that. I watched that too. Uh, I actually didn't, um, mainly because I was out playing basketball and um, I think it was awesome how these different basketball teams were taking 24 second and eight second violations oh, on. And I just, uh, my team, we took it a step further. Um, and actually we, we overdid it. Uh, we decided that we were going to lose by 24. Um, so, and then we ended you up know. losing by more than 24. I guess maybe it was 24 Some plus eight. Some people were more committed to it, I guess. Yeah, we were, we went hard on that, man. Yeah. Like 24 plus eight man, or something. That was, you know, it was scrolling through and, and of course we said we'd talk about this later but scrolling through so many of the stories man i mean i i, I just kept tearing up for three straight days on different things and it was oh, it yeah. was hard to even you know i'd want to share a story with jamie and i'm like hold on a second let me compose myself and get this out and yeah. uh you know it, it was tough man, man it was wild it was absolutely wild we're gonna talk about that too because yeah i definitely um yeah my my eyes they, they filled themselves with a whole lot of water mm. uh and uh, you know, actually, we're actually we're, we're going to talk about that too. That's actually going to be a, a sub segment when, yeah. when we discuss Kobe. Just me crying. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, we wanted to go ahead and get started. You know, we got to have our our one good thing. You know, um, and I love celebrating the stories that are absolutely awesome and crazy. Um, and this one actually was 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 local. We picked it up from uh, 13 News. So shout yeah. out to Channel News 13. Um, but yeah, it was, a, it was a story that came out, I'm trying to find the date again, January 22nd. And uh, it was about a foster dad who has provided a loving home to 60, that's six zero, mm-hmm. neglected young men. And like the story is crazy. Um, it's actually out in New Jersey, but we picked it up down here. Um, and uh, it's it's wild because these these individuals, these have been... Uh, young men who were were either homeless or struggling youth or, you know, just the, you you name it. And mm-hmm. um, I'm trying to find uh, the things that I was le- reading. Um, but yeah, so he he takes them in, and it's almost like it's it's not a project. But you know, for for lack of of any other type of understanding, we take sixty guys into your home. You know, obviously, either one or two things is happening. <laughs> like you're really doing it for the money or uh which which was which was not the case in this case um no it's it's it's, it's wild to see like uh let's see he was talking about he was serving as a caseworker for a young man with a number of complex behavioral issues and as a result when he wasn't allowed near any other young people at his age um he had to be isolated with only staff members no foster parents wanted to take him in like th- this is some of the people that he was dealing with um and eventually guy agreed to take him in that's the guy's name guy good job my guy guy bryant yes yeah. guy yeah. bryant and uh after that it didn't take long for guy's household to grow 
uh, though it hadn't been his original intention. Now, that's, that's the thing I, I wanted to park on. It's just like, <laughs> you know, the man didn't really want to do this per se. Like this wasn't his aim in life. He's like, you know, I think I, I want to take in 60, 60 plus. Right, know, right, right. And, Here's my plan. Yeah, yeah, you know, and we're gonna, you know, like making like his own little army or something. No, it's, um, but it's yeah, amazing like, how callings find you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that's what it says, right? I was just like many of the foster kids, like they found him. Yeah, you know, just asked if he, if he could stay, and then his brother, somebody, and then and then their brother needed a place, and and it's just like you know, before before long, he was able to pretty much put together this uh, group that you know him and his foster sons. They just uh, the, it's a ten year process yeah. of developing young men. Yeah, is what he did, um, and he did it in such a way that it finally. Um, you know, finally got this this national attention, yeah. which is absolutely crazy. I mean, how you know often do you do you hear of these stories? Yeah, where it was what the result was was never the original intention, mm-hmm. and you know, you you can't really plan out changing the world. You know, no, you really can't. You you kind of have to fumble your way through some things, and whatever that voice inside you is telling you to do. Um, and just kind of follow that, right? Like yeah. we, we hear that a lot from people when they're on the back end of something. You're like, well, how did, how did this happen? They're like, well, I don't know. This is beyond everything I even thought about. <laughs> yeah, nah, I think it's hilarious because as I look at that, one of the reasons why I did hit so close to home uh, was because I, I, I've never been a foster parent. I've never been a parent, um, but I've had kids and that's just weird to me. Um, it's still amazing <laughs> the fact that that has happened. I mean, no, I mean, my, my story to tell now is that, you know, I'm, I'm not a dad by any means. Um, but last year I did walk my first child down the aisle and, and, and watched her get married and right. be dang if I didn't cry right. when I watched her get married and she's married a really good dude. And it's funny because now it's like, I have three daughters, you know what I'm saying? So <laughs> shouts out to Crystal, shouts out to Jazz, shouts out to the tiny white daughter uh, that is Kelsey. <laughs> yeah, no, I got a tiny white daughter. It's hilarious. But um, it's, it's, it's awesome though, just because I know that, you know, what I've been able to do in their lives, which it, it didn't require much for me. Thankfully, I had to change somebody's diapers. And I had, to, oh. I, I, had to, I had to feed them wouldn't, a little bit. Wouldn't that be nice, bro? Yeah. Yeah, my my three year old still refuses refuses to use the potty. I mean, he's, yeah, he's broad. What are you What are you gonna do? I know yeah. he's he's he could beat you up. Well, so. probably. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, but um, I, I think it's just awesome, man. And on top of that, I, the, my favorite part of the story, and I think this is for all my millennial and and, and Gen Zers who who think that, you know, you, you can't do this stuff anymore. Yeah. Um, it talks about how he maintains a tough love approach. And it says that he isn't afraid to discipline his foster sons when they need it. Uh, but he also says it's important to be cognizant of previous traumas. You know, many of his foster sons live through shocking hardships and neglect uh, before they reach his home. So, you know, I'm thinking that that's like one of the one of the best parts about, you know, I don't know, everybody in the Bible wants to talk about spare the rod, spoil the child. Um, I do think that there's a real lack of discipline in this world, and obviously it reflects in how people treat people. And, right. And it's a, ain't the nicest world that we live in, especially not the United States of America. Well, that's one of those out-of-context ones anyways, right? Yeah. Because it's like, if you follow the way that, that God treated the, the Israelites as a fatherly figure, mm-hmm. <laughs> Clearly, he wasn't. He certainly was trying to spoil them, you know, and yeah. they kept screwing up and screwing up and screwing up. I mean, he he had a promised land he wanted to give them, Bruh. and uh, Listen, you know, I mean, the <laughs> dynamics are are very interesting. You know, there's chosen people, there's children. Yeah, and out of nowhere, Jeremiah and Hosea tell you that they're a bunch of harlotty prostitutes just giving people money to to sleep with them. It's right. Just, they go up to to pray, and then they come back, and they're like, "What is happening now? Yeah. What?" Ha-? And that's kind of how I feel as a dad. You know, I go upstairs. I'm like, I'm like, all right, boys. Uh, Dad's gonna go up and get changed. You know, because the last thing I want to do is wear a tie uh, when I get home. Right. So I go up and change. You know, and you come downstairs, and it's like there's a fire. You know, someone pooped in the middle of the floor. One one of the cats is tied up. Like it's like, well, how did this happen? In the, in the matter. It, I was up there. I was, it wasn't even that long. This right. is what it feels like. Yeah, that's. I, I, I feel. I feel. I feel. I feel for Moses. <laughs> I feel for Moses and Jeremiah, oh, all these wow. guys, I, you know, Joshua. I mean, they just, every time they just kind of take their eyes off them and all of a sudden, wait, what, what, what happened? So, you yeah, know, it's, yeah, no. yeah, father, parenthood in general. Oof. 
Mm. I'm telling you, man. I mean, what what you've really done for me uh-huh. um, is if you've given me yeah. a form of birth control that oh, was I free, and I, I appreciate I know. that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I really, I, it's always been my phrase, like, I can't wait to have children, but I can wait right. to have children. Well, and you're you know never ready, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, but what's, what's cool about the story that you're telling is, you know, years ago when you set out to be in ministry, did you ever think you'd be giving no. people away no, a, no, as a fatherly all. figure. Like you never, that wasn't yeah. something that you sought out and yet the honor comes yeah. no, when, when we honor the calling. Yeah, no, it was, it was crazy to yeah. be perfectly honest. With you. But you know, the funny thing about it is um, I'm not the first person in my family to do that. Yeah, yeah my dad actually did it. Um, and it was, uh, it was actually really cool he was a he was a campus minister at Norfolk State University for I don't know I think like maybe three or four years, mm. uh, and in that time frame um, they had uh, a house across the street from the campus called the Wesley House, mm-hmm. and they would take in I think like three or four students. Uh, the students had to pay rent, had to do a couple other things around the crib, but uh, they got to stay there as opposed to going across the street. And okay. you know, um, my father was exposed to a lot of you know, it was a lot of craziness that they don't put on the news that happens on certain college campuses. Um, you know, it was just like he had to get up three, four o'clock in the morning a few times uh, to take trips over there when we uh, first moved up here uh, to grab a student or two and take a ride because they just found their friend, um, yeah, yeah, like shot and killed or whatever that, whatever, oh. whatever happened. And so he he got to form some very very close relationships with with, with some of those students, and one was was so close that he ended up walking her down the aisle and I was just yeah. I thought that was awesome and I was like yeah it'd be is, really cool if I could do that one day I didn't say incredible. it out loud right yeah um, but you're just it, like wow what a, what a testament to yeah. the impact somebody exactly. had on somebody else's life when when they're not blood related when there's no requirement to do so it's just a matter of right of you know go yeah. ahead and following the calling uh, on that life and yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't think people understand uh, ministry <laughs> is a 24-hour job like hour day, seven day a week, my God. You know, I mean, I, I, te- I tease pastors, you know, and I'm yeah. like, oh, so, well, if, if on Monday you write down your sermon for Sunday, then you're good, right? You're good the rest of the week. You know, nothing much you got to do. And, uh, you know, I do that in jest because I understand what that life actually means. Yeah. Um, and you're, you're just, you're never off because you, you're going to get that, that no. phone call. You're going to get that email. 100%, man. And, and you're going to get pulled in. It's so, so thankless. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So. And, and you had talked about, you know, talking about, fathering figures and, and, uh, parenting you talked about, uh, there was a thing you sent me about kids failing. Oh yes. Um, oh, and, boy. and whether or not parents should be allowing this or stopping it from happening. And do you want to go into your thoughts on that? I, I Even though you're not qualified it. cause you're not a parent, you but. know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I almost want to say something about that, but I'm going to leave that comment in particular alone. No, because uh, you're also uniquely qualified in the sense that you are a professor and you're indeed. dealing with yeah. um, the, the youth of America and you're dealing with people who have been raised potentially with this type of mindset mm-hmm. and with this type of uh, parenting approach. Oh, yeah. No, of course, man. And that, that, that was the whole thing. And I think that's what really grinded my gears. I haven't spent um, 10 years in education, you know, with with high school students that were getting ready to become uh, the young adults that are supposed to be contributors to society and help change our nation. Right. Uh, it was interesting to me. Um, and it's, it's kind of funny because it, it's, it's almost ironic, the fact that I saw it and I felt the way that I did about it, but it was the subtitle <laughs> that really nailed it for me. So the New York Times posted something on January 8th called Teaching Your Kids to Fail. Getting comfortable with setbacks will keep them curious and engaged. And I was just like, I'm sorry, wait, what? <laughs> the, uh, yeah, you know, I, I really I couldn't find any words, so I just I had to go ahead and I had to read the article, um, and it was just like uh, as I went through it, I'm trying to find a little spot that he tells a lot of, of a story in the beginning. I'm just like, can we get to the point? Sorry, that was just <laughs> me. So sorry. Okay. Um, but yeah, here it goes. So this is where I, I had to kind of chew on what he was saying. It's uh, um, It says, and it's not just that we, uh, not just what we say about our children's triumphs that matters, it's how we tolerate their setbacks. There's a study uh, that somebody with a really interesting name, PhD, 
uh, co-authored with uh, another person with a strange name. Yeah, if you want to, you can read the article yourself. We ain't got time for that. Uh, it says that parents' uh, failure mindsets affect their children more than their views on intelligence. In other words, if parents think that failure is shameful, their children are more likely to be derailed by mistakes, but it's subtle. For example, Dr. Okay, we have fine, sure. Dr. Heimovitz, I believe, explained, uh, your child may be struggling with early math concepts and you may say something like, not everyone needs to be good at numbers. Right, <laughs> right, no, as a way, true. As a, as a way to comfort them. Um, but what you're really doing is implying that their math abilities <laughs> are already Not set. Not everybody has to be good at numbers. It's yeah. okay to be dumb. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, and, and unchangeable. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. So, you know, I'm like, I'm processing that because I think that, I think the, their heart was kind of right on this, but at the same time, right. I, I didn't know what to do with it. Well, there's a lot of backhanded compliments that we give. Right. And we don't, we give them without realizing it. Like I, I was listening to somebody today talking about how they were interviewing uh, Pat Mahomes this week. Uh, or I'm sorry, it wasn't Pat Mahomes. They were interviewing um, Moore, uh, Matt Moore, the okay. backup for Kansas City. Yeah. They're interviewing him leading into the Super Bowl. And he closes off the interview with, well, hopefully we don't see you this week. And in a way he's saying like, you know, cause it would be terrible if Patrick Mahomes got injured. Right. But at the same time, Hey. Like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, you know, our, our brains process these kind of backhanded compliments in real time. Yeah. And then a lot of us just kind of lack that self-awareness of, of realizing that maybe we said something that we shouldn't have. Mm -hmm. I know I'm guilty of it because my tongue is faster than my brain. Right. And so I've done it before. And then maybe a day later, I'm like, whoa, I, I probably said something that came out very different than I intended. Right. And so then, you know, you have to humble yourself and go mm -hmm. to that person and say, hey, I might have said this and I, I didn't mean it. And as a parent, I mean, shoot, I'm doing it all the time. And fortunately, I have an incredible wife who we can kind of keep each other in check and kind of be aware of maybe how the other person's interacting and, and uh, she has to do it to me a heck of a lot more than I have to do it to right. her. Shout out to Jamie. Way yeah. to go, girl. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, and to be honest with you, it, it, it almost sounds hypocritical. I did appreciate the article in the end um, just because of the method that they did suggest. Like they were talking about, you know, ask questions about the process, observe them closely, you know, model persistence, and then Oh God, uh, create safe spaces for learning. Uh, we don't need to have conversations on how I feel about safe spaces. Let's just. Well, but safe spaces for children, I think is a very different thing than safe spaces for people who are 30 years old on a, on a forum. <laughs> yeah. But what do you think it starts? That's, that's right. That's my right. Issue. No, yeah. but it's, I think it's, you know, it's, it's really tough. It's a balancing act as a parent because mm -hmm. like I, you yell at your kid to stay away from the stove because mm -hmm. you don't want them to be hurt. Yeah. Um, but you also know that if maybe if they burn their little finger once, that they're they going to stay with me. I won't have to tell them 50 times yeah. because a lot of what that cognitive understanding mm -hmm. where that develops is understanding the cause and the effect. It's the why. Mm -hmm. So kids go through that phase of why, 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 why? And it's difficult as a parent because you don't want to really get into it because you, you're like this is going to take me two minutes to explain and they still might not understand mm -hmm. and so you just kind of go because i told you so you know you yeah. turn into your parent yeah you turn into your own now, dad see, that i can relate to because them little high school kids got on my last nerves yeah. asking me a bunch of questions about stuff that i'd already explained to them time and time again so i get that yeah where in reality if we if you and i are just talking mm -hmm. and if we're talking about the education system or parenting or whatever it may be we could both say that there's a lot of value in the explanation and the purpose behind something. Yeah. And yet when we're in the thick of it and now we actually have to put in that, that work, we get frustrated. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a lot of what's going on. I think with, with these parenting and these quote unquote safe spaces, right? Yeah, it, it's, I feel that, well, let me, I guess if I, I got to give my two cents on the safe space sure. um, and the reason why I have ultimately get to be hip hypocritical mm -hmm. uh, on why I thought it was good. And then at the end I was just like, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. A big hypocrite, a hypocrite. You calling me fat, bro? I just said big. Yeah, whatever. Hippos are very strong. Before I lose my thoughts <laughs> and I'm gonna attack. Um, well, no, it's just I. This is this is what I do know. Um, especially having that experience with those students. You know, a lot of them um, 
are nestled in the understanding of their culture and their culture speaks like a few key languages and those languages are like anxiety, depression, angst. Correct, yes. You know what I'm saying? The, the reason why um, the, uh, what is it, the, the, the life expectancy began dropping has a lot to do with Correct. the Gen Zers and the millennials because yes. in, in their anxiety and then their waywardness, they think that the only thing um, that they can actually make a real executive decision on is whether or not they live or die. Right. Um, and I mean, as scary and as sad as that is, I feel like also, and it's funny because we were just talking about the tough love from from, from a guy yeah. um, in the 60s, you know, taking care of these dudes. I'm betting he probably runs across a lot of that as well. Uh, but, sure. you know, I feel like um, why this is an issue for me is because, um, and yeah, I mean, coming from a biblical standpoint, there are many narratives in the Bible that show us, oh God, oh boy, this is going to be a thing. Okay, yeah, that show us, um, <laughs> you know, they, they, they basically show us a depiction of individuals uh, that at the end of the day were great, they were excellent, yes. they were 100%, they were all stars in, in their categories, Right. Uh, but they all still did something that was absolutely stupid and at best you could say that they failed. Right. Um, you know, and their failure was not the thing that they were known for at the end of the day. Correct. You know what I'm saying? Their failure did not keep them from being able to continue to achieve what they were able to achieve. Their failure didn't stop them from being one of God's generals and one of the all-stars in the Bible. And so, right, right. you know, if we can get people to understand that concept off the jump and that mistakes are going to be made uh, or that people are going to fail or even sometimes that you will intentionally do something that is bass backwards, yeah. um, then maybe it, it'll give you a different mindset. It'll shift you into a lane of grace where you know, even if I did make this mistake, okay, let me go and learn from this and then let me apply the concept of those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Okay, that's different. Yeah. Okay, if you want to be repetitious in your mistake making, no, there's going to be consequence and then yeah, maybe you should feel some kind of way but let that feeling some kind of way egg you into the challenge of becoming better instead of egging you into this doubt and deprivation, whatever you want to call it, uh, type of situation where it just, it leaves you um, feeling like a failure. Right. Because I think there's a difference between failing and feeling like a failure. Just like I also, oh, sure. there's a huge difference yeah. between failure and defeat. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like there's one thing yeah. to fail because failing doesn't end you. But feeling defeated and being defeated, that's a totally different concept. And so. that's what, what a lot of society and our young people are struggling with. And, you know, it, it, one choice, one moment, one action shouldn't define you, yet it can because your parents might let it, your friends might let it, or you yourself might let it. And when you start to allow one thing define you, now, now you're going to be beholden to that. You're going to be imprisoned by that one thing, that one choice, that one moment, whatever it may be. And even if it's a terrible thing, like I, I get it. Like, you know, if you commit a, a heinous, terrible act or crime, like, yeah, you're, it's probably going to define you in, in some sense, but you still ultimately have the power to continue writing that, that story. And we see that biblically over and over again. Cause mm -hmm. the, I mean, when you're talking about failure among the examples that we have in, in scriptures. I mean, <laughs> these guys are failing at a level that's well beyond, well beyond what we're worried about someone getting a B on a math test for. Yeah, exactly. And yet that can still create in you this sense of, uh, you know, not being good enough, mm -hmm. not being strong enough. Dude. And, and then, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to bring it back to, uh, you know, Andrew Yang, but, <laughs> but, there is we a chapter. For no man on well, this podcast. No, but, but this is, but this is just interesting yeah, because yeah. it's also just he talks about a lot of studies and and in his book, he has a whole chapter dedicated to why people are not starting businesses like they used to, mm -hmm. and it's because the younger generation they're they're terrified of taking a chance. They're terrified of taking a risk. They feel like they have to go to college because if they don't, they're never going to get a job. They feel like they have to move to coastal cities because if they don't, they're never going to have an opportunity. Mm -hmm. And so all of these things he puts on paper from a data standpoint, it's extremely eye-opening as to the pressure that our youth and, you know, 
kind of that, that millennial generation, that mm-hmm. Z generation, they have on them, they have a very inflexible choices to make. Oh, no, it's hundred percent rigid. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's wild. Cause as you were saying that, that was one of the things that, um, I was reminded of, uh, I can't remember exactly where I got that staff from. Uh, but, uh, it was it was wild for me just because of the context in which it was given to me because you think about the students that are straight A students that have this GPA, that are part of this club, they're probably this captain, they're probably this right. president. Um, and they were saying, uh, and only because it hits so close to home, uh, that uh, the University of, uh, they probably would hate that I would name them, so we'll just give them a, a, a tag name, um, Milliam and Wary, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, William and Mary. Um, at one point in time, we're actually one of the uh, leading suicide schools in the nation. And you would think like, wow, William and Mary, why would they? Right. But, but, but to, to, what, to what you're saying, this is exactly what was happening. They were a big fish in a small pond. Right. They would graduate and then they would go to uh, said institution. And then they would realize that they were not the big fish anymore. Right. I, oh, I don't have a Harvard fish. degree. Yeah, exactly. Well, oh, not, I don't have this. Well, not even about, it wasn't even about Harvard. It was yeah. just about the fact that they were there and they were not top dog and they didn't know how to process that. Yeah. Well, and, and, so, and we're just comparing ourselves to everybody else. Right. Like, who cares if you're top dog? Do your th- like find your thing, find your purpose, and yeah. follow it. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, man. Yeah. And you know the funny thing is, I think that that's one of the most freeing elements, and I think that's what makes you the most powerful as well. I just uh, we were having a conversation in one of my classes this week, um, and it was just a reminder of Second uh, Corinthians twelve nine for grace is sufficient, power is made perfect in weakness. Get to the end of verse ten when I'm weak, or yeah, when I'm weak, uh, then he's strong. Or when I make, I'm whatever, just, okay, I'm tired. Moving on. Anyway, uh, but what happened was uh, one of my students, we were, we were talking about studying the Bible and we were talking about how some of the students hate the fact that uh, they have to attach homework assignments to studying the Bible. And I'm just like, well, what's the whole <laughs> point behind that? And then, right. you know, they were given a nuance of, of just a, an array of answers. And one of the answers actually was um, the and it's funny because it came from like one of our Dean's List students, um, the developed anxiety that they got uh, for or from uh, everything that they were doing um, and feeling like, you know, if I get a certain grade on this, on this, in this class, then right. I got to pay money back and this, that, and the other and all this other stuff. And um, I had just seen, and of course all this came from last week, just the millions of things you can see every single year uh, from quote unquote last week. Um, uh, a good friend of ours, as a matter of fact, Early Jackson, yeah. uh, posted something on Instagram, um, and it was a picture of uh, Martin Luther King's transcript mm-hmm. uh, from 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 seminary. Oh, right, right, like yeah, yeah, I saw, saw that. that too. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. you know, you're looking at it and it's just like A B A B A B A B A B A A A A B B B, and then C plus. Right, it's like, oh crap, what would you get a C plus in? Public speaking. Right. Wait, I'm sorry. What? Yeah. You know, and so yeah. I, I was able to, to 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 tell the student. I was just like, yeah, you know, just I would never fret that. I would always have grace for yourself. Recognize that this is a weakness that you get to present to the Lord. Right. He'll take care of that for you. And then you know, fast forward in the end, I was basically telling him, I was just like, and then when it's all said and done, this is how a C plus in public speaking turns into. <laughs> an I have a dream speech. Right. You know well, what I'm that, and that's that where you can't let the moment define you. Yeah. You can't let that one thing define you. I mean, it's it's very publicly documented that Michael Jordan didn't make his freshman team, right? Like, right, yeah. I mean, the, the greatest, I think they all probably had points in their life where they, they were not feeling overconfident about themselves or, or maybe lacked the ability to persevere or go through. But I also know that at some point they overcome that whole, I'm not the big dog anymore, I'm not the big mm-hmm. fish now because they don't care. They don't care about comparing themselves to somebody else. They're just going to be driven by what it is they're trying to accomplish mm-hmm. and everyone else has to catch up to them. Exactly. Right? And that's, what was the thing you, yeah, I think yeah, it was you sent me about, like, about, yeah. about Kobe practicing. Yeah. yeah it's the perfect segue yeah. as a matter of where, fact. Where he was saying basically, you know, for years, yeah, you got on. it. Yeah. I'll, I'll pull it yeah. up right now. And I mean, because, because I grew up in Los Angeles and I've been a Laker fan, I mean, I've, I've followed Kobe closer than, than any athlete that I've ever followed. Um, he's my, my favorite athlete that I've ever had. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that his work ethic was second to none. Mm-hmm. And, it, and you, you'll hear about things like that where someone's like, 
you know, a lot of athletes will say, well, no one works harder than me. You know, no one does. A lot of people will say that, right? Mm -hmm. So when you're pooling a group of people, 50 people all say no one works harder than me. Well, that can't be true. Someone in here has to work harder. To a fault, no one claims to have ever outworked Kobe. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, no, nah, absolutely, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, here it goes. Uh, so this is what, this, this is verbatim Kobe Bryant. This is imagine you wake up at 3 a.m. and train from four to six. You go home, you have breakfast, you relax. And now you're back at it again from nine to 11. You relax and then you're back at it again from two to four. Right. And then you're back at it again from seven to nine. Right. Look at how much training I've done simply by starting at four. So <laughs> now you do that and as the years go on, the separation you have from your peers just grows larger and larger. Yeah. By year five or six, listen, good God. <laughs> by year five or six, it doesn't matter what kind of work you're doing in the summer. They're never going <laughs> to catch up because they're already five years behind. Yeah, that's a like, crazy thought. And, bro. and the greats are like that. The yeah. greats, because I remember reading uh, Tiger Woods' book when it uh -huh. first came out, which is, you know, it's not like a biography. It's just kind of like more Tiger Woods, you know, how I play golf, I think is the name of the, the book. And in there, he talks about his diet, talks about his workout. The guy sleeps like like four or five hours a day. That's all he sleeps because he's driven to accomplish things. And, and so he's he works out like same type of thing, four o'clock in the morning. He hits so many golf balls. He goes to a trainer. Then he works out. Then he, he goes and practices this. And it's basically he's 12, 14 hours a day. He's practicing on what it is he's doing. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason why there's they're peerless. Yeah, they're peerless in their no, in yeah, their you're field. Absolutely, you're absolutely right, 100. percent Yeah, and that was what I think because that's actually what I said in my little my post to was just like you know um, I honestly was not a fan ball wise, but you know with Kobe. I always said that he was the hardest worker in the game. He's a right. mentalist, right. mentalist, a philosopher. No one else is doing this. If you see this date, uh, and then and it was funny yeah. because the date that I, I, one of the dates I saw that was um, literally like a few weeks before and it was Operation and Conviction. I, I needed to start this podcast. I was like, okay. Right. I, this is what I needed to see in order to recognize what it's going to take to go ahead and pull this off. Because I, like I tell folks, this is this is a labor of love. This is not a hobby. right, yeah. right. And and it's we're trying to find those times to do it, and we're we're trying to connect and get together, and then spend time prepping and and editing. And it, but you know what? If, if this is we keep talking about callings and we keep <laughs> right. talking about, you know, both of us have had something like this on our heart for, for a long time. And fortunately, um, we got, we got put together mm -hmm. and, uh, here we are and keeping, uh, keeping each other committed to doing it. So gotta happen. Yeah. Gotta happen. So yeah. Um, so the, yeah, the rest of the episode is, uh, it's going to be a, a tribute and then some sub tributes and topics, uh, to, to the one, number eight and number 24 in your hearts, yeah. depending on what you want to, uh, your favorite number. I know nobody's really had that argument and there's no, <laughs> no need to have that argument because he did almost the same thing wearing both numbers, yeah. which is absolutely yeah. wild. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, just, uh, we don't need to go back into the details. It just what happened was absolutely insane. Um, it's funny and crazy to me that anybody would want to be a conspiracy theorist on this, and there are some out there. We won't even talk about that. <laughs> Jeez. Um, but yeah, no, you know, just uh, looking and celebrating uh, the life of, 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 of Kobe. Um, one thing I know, you know, he wasn't vocal, and you know, and anybody can challenge this kind of stuff, and that's perfectly fine. Um, but he was a believer. Uh, the, the story came out that he and Gigi went to church before. Uh, they they were getting ready to go to their game, you know, and it's just like uh, private life is private life. Maybe he just considered that a part of his, uh, you know, there is a, something called monasticism. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of it before, but it's just like the word monastery. That's where we get it from. And these are the people who decide to have their own personal relationship with Jesus and they kind of keep it to themselves. And of course, there's a bit of a flaw in that because, you know, the Great Commission going forth and you know, making disciples and bat, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but it, it doesn't change the fact that they had a personal relationship with God. So we, we, we've, we've had enough of, of that conversation. We don't need to reflect on that. Right. Um, I'm gonna let Dev, uh, talk a little more because <laughs> I, like I said, I wasn't a fan. I yeah. was, I was, I was one who appreciated the art and appreciated the man, but I definitely wasn't a fan. So I'm, I'm gonna let him speak on that and we'll talk about some other stuff. And I'll, I'll do my best to get through it too. Cause it's been, uh, it's been a weird emotional week. Like I, I used to oh, not, not laugh at people, but mm -hmm. I never really understood 
why people get so emotional when someone would die. You know, a celebrity would, it's like, you don't know the person. And this was the first one that hit me. And so I'm, you know, thinking about it. And of course, I know we have this platform. So I was like, wow, okay. Um, this will actually give me a chance to maybe talk about what I'm feeling. And then I'm like, what? Yeah, but I guess I need to figure out what it is I am feeling. Because, uh, you know, it's something that I really hadn't experienced before. I mean, probably since some loved ones passing away, had I really felt this kind of left field emotion about someone passing and um you know the the neat thing about kobe like i said i mean i followed his his entire career um i paid attention to when he got drafted uh he wanted to be a laker his whole life he grew up over in italy europe because that's where his father was playing mm -hmm. uh he mm -hmm. you know spoke multiple languages he was he was kind of a renaissance man in a lot of ways where that's a very different upbringing than most great basketball players right it's very different and so he was very polarizing because of that um but also those people who were fans of him respected that because they're looking at it going this guy is different this guy not only puts in the time in the gym but he thinks about the game differently than most people he approaches it differently than most people he's constantly trying to improve on various things as opposed to just kind of rest on whatever success he he might have had and continually adapted and so watching that type of example from somebody is kind of a, it's an amazing thing and, and you think back on that and like one of the quotes that he had here because of course it fits perfectly with what we try to talk about right mm -hmm. we're inspired to inspire yeah you know i think um uh, i forget if, if i sent this or you sent this but uh, the most important thing is to try and inspire people so that they can be great in whatever they want to do oh, kobe that was, bryant that was you that was me yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah um and what's really neat about that is he says whatever you want to do and here's a guy who achieved the the pinnacle of his sport the pinnacle of what it was he was trying to do and now he was recreating his life so much so that two years ago and people didn't know this and a lot of people didn't know this he won an oscar yeah oh yeah yeah. he, yeah, he won yeah, an yeah. like he was yeah. going into the next line of work that he wanted to do um we now of course know how involved he was with coaching his his daughters and coaching kids with his academy and we see the dedication that was going on there uh, he was clearly not just kind of you know go, going to work on a broadcast and spend five hours a week working and playing golf the rest of his life like a lot of guys do like that's just that's just not the type of person that he was yeah yeah and um you know so in trying to process some of the things that you know i was feeling and, and going through i just jotted down some notes and uh i think what's weird is it's a the first person that i i could quote unquote call a hero in my life actually passed away before they should have like when someone, you know, when Muhammad Ali passed away, it was like, mm -hmm. you know, we're sad and we reflect on his legacy and his life. But in, in the chronological order of how we expect yeah. people to pass, that was not a surprising one. No, not okay. at all. Yeah. Um, this was a surprising one. And your heroes are immortal. They, they don't have a mortality. Like they're not, he's not going to die. And if he does, it's not going to be till he's 90. So having someone who was uh, a hero in my younger life, now have uh, see that mortality that made me kind of grapple with my own thought of you know oh gosh th this was maybe the first time it really really hit me knocking on the door of 40 that you know uh, I'm, I'm not invincible I, I won't live forever it can go away that quickly um on top of that you know my my sons obviously have given me a very different uh, perspective on life. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're caring for somebody else and putting them above yourself in a way that you have to with kids, your perspective changes a lot. And I haven't, you know, lost a, a family member um, since I've become a, a father of two, right? So this is the first time I've experienced a, a loss in that regard mm -hmm. while having the perspective that I have having kids, which has changed multiple outlooks of my life um not not only spiritually politically mentally whatever it may be it's changed every aspect of it so this was kind of the first time that i i'd seen that and then losing somebody that was so important to where you grew up and your city mm -hmm. that was weird too like just seeing how much a city that you know that i care about and that i i grew up in 
how much they were hurting. Yeah, that was crazy, man. I, I texted my brother because you know, he lives in Lancaster, and I was like, "Yo, bro, like, how's yeah. Cali?" And he was like, "Yo, it's it's crazy out here." He lives in Lancaster, and that's where I yeah. used to live. Yeah, he's yeah desert weather all day in the hood. Oh, I'm so glad I got out of there. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, just down the street from Palmdale. Yeah, come yeah. back actually, to me. That's actually where they when, when he first moved out there. That's yeah. uh, that's where they lived, and that's where Paul George grew up. Yeah. Oh. Uh-huh. oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. That's why we thought he was going to come home the first time. That's right. That's why we thought. And then he, he stabbed us. But th- this is not about him. <laughs> this is not about him. This is about Kobe. And uh, yeah, so it was weird and seeing your, your city. Rip, you know what I'm saying? Shout out yeah, to Zion Williamson. Yeah. But no, that was that was a Kyrie, wasn't it? No, no. It was, oh, a, it was, it was a, a PG. It was a PG? Yeah, Ooh. it was a PG. Well, yeah, figures. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I mean, we experienced that with our own city last year when there was the, the shooting here. Um, you know, we experienced it and saw it coming together. But, you know, and, th- and then this is this is definitely my home now. But, you know, when you spend 30 years somewhere, you know, it's it still affects you differently mm-hmm. um, when you see that type of thing. And plus, I mean, Kobe was was common ground for me and, and a lot of family members and friends. I mean, I had friends that that absolutely loved him. And they were Laker fans, and then I had friends that hated him, but always respected him, mm-hmm. you know, regardless. And uh, he was a unique athlete in that sense, because most athletes, you know, that are hated uh, might not get re- the respect that they deserve uh, along with that. Um, but I mean, the the last weekend that I saw my brother alive, we went to a Laker game, mm-hmm. you know, um, the... Uh, last time uh, I just went home and to kind of remember him, uh, I got to go to a Laker game. Uh, my dad, you know, now that we live 3,000 miles away, one of the things that at least we talk about uh, fairly regularly is the Lakers and how the Lakers doing. It's a connection point that I have with friends, with family. Uh, when I left my job back home, I had worked for my uncle for seven years. I worked with my uncle and then my cousin came in and he was taking over my position. My going away gift was a Kobe jersey that they all signed. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, there, there's a lot of cross elements that mm-hmm. that I have in my life to this this athlete, you know, and it was so it was weird coming to grips with all those things. And, you know, basketball is my favorite sport growing up. You know, before Kobe, I loved Barkley and I loved Shaq and I loved Sean Kemp, of all people, ah, you know, the, man um, the, the rainmaker. I the mean, I, I loved many, all many of these children. guys, but Kobe was the one guy yeah. that like. I mean, I loved him from from the start till the end, um, you know. And, and basketball, like I said, has been my favorite sport, so it's been a part of my life for as long as I can remember. Um, so losing somebody like that it has a it has a great impact on you. And you know, who whoever sees those types of things and how it might impact you, or it makes you more sensitive to maybe how things impact other people too, mm-hmm. you know. And so you're not gonna maybe think less going forward. I, I don't know. Yeah, no, I think that that was a, a, a big piece. I think one of the things that um, people have been able to focus in on is just the, the fact that this is almost something that's, like I said, on, on so many levels that there's some relatability. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like even in the sports world, like, you know, you would figure like when a basketball great dies, you know, the, and, and there's a there's bunch of basketball plenty. greats. I mean, like, yeah, you know, but you I'm know, saying Re- Reggie Lewis, Drazen Petrovic, like we've yeah. lost oh, Pat, guys. Man. Yeah. We've lost them, you know, in, in their primes. Exactly. Exactly. But you know, in, in, in his case, um, come back to the mic boy in his case, uh, it was, it was crazy because it wasn't just that you saw these NBA players, sending out their love and condolences and tweeting and stuff like that. Then, you know, TB12 is, is doing some soccer players. Or, I mean, the, the Grammys, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. the Grammys were, were almost dead. And the crazy thing about that is it was that night in Staples yeah, Center. Exactly. Like, yeah, that, that was mean, wild. Wow. Mm. Yeah. So. Yeah. His impact was beyond sports. And, you know, that's that's not true of a lot of athletes. No, it's you, really know, not. you can really think about maybe four or five at a given time ascend to that level mm-hmm. of cultural relevance and he was he was definitely one of them oh, for certain know? and and like everybody was saying man like you could see the fact that he, it was about to get even bigger you know what i'm saying like he's got a media company yeah uh, he invested he like 100 stuff. million into some tech he was uh, doing something stuff other. It's just, yeah it's just yeah and and the other thing that you you kind of saw universally from the young basketball players was that 
he was the the father figure to them. Unlike, you know, Jordan, who as great as Jordan was, Jordan never desired to carry that mantle of let me let me impact the next generation. Mm-hmm. Let them carry the torch that that I've carried. Jordan, you know, he he wasn't which is fine. You know, there's no judgment there. You you can do what you want to do. But Kobe embraced that. Yeah. And and hearing so many of these young guys saying how impacted they were and how often he would call them and um and it didn't matter if they were just stars. I mean, Nick Young was talking about it on, yeah. on Twitter and how Kobe was the only guy who called him after a certain surgery that he had. Mm-hmm. And it's like how how does somebody, you know, I I feel bad sometimes cuz I don't have the, the time to even keep up with with very very close friends of mine and here's here's kobe i mean obviously his calendar's nuts yeah and and he's keeping up with guys like uh, <laughs> it's it, it really an inspiration sometimes makes you feel bad about yourself <laughs> yeah uh, i mean it's it, well i mean it's not just that too it was just it's the understanding of the capacity that he had yeah. as well you yeah. know and like i said it's just like um and to to your point, I think that was one little thing. Like that's the reason why I'm doing all this. Well, that's one of many reasons. You yeah. know, we we've talked yeah. about Kelly. We talked about all these different people. But conviction is a powerful muse, man. It is. Like being inspired to inspire constitutes so many different elements that people don't yeah. give credit to. Um, I love all the people that don't believe in me because they are part of my <laughs> biggest inspiration. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And to be perfectly honest with you, that was that was the same thing that Kobe did. Yeah. You know, uh, if you hear the story, of, what was it like? Uh, so many stories they just told, but uh, one of his uh, his high school guidance counselor was like, "Yeah, you should probably consider doing something other than basketball <laughs> um, yeah. because it's not going to be as lucrative for you as you think." I'm like, first of all, mm. your, your daddy's a basketball player. No, he wasn't as good as him, but let's let's face facts, right. you know. And then the other thing, is, of course, is that he didn't just take that information and sulk and sit in it and marinate in it. He, he used that. He was like, oh, that's what you're going to say. Yeah. No, he, like did, he didn't take that one moment, you know, that right. we, we've talked about multiple times tonight. That one moment, let it define him. Mm-hmm. And so much so, I mean, he was about reinventing himself, right? I mean, I, I don't know of another single player outside of Jordan who changed their number. The fact is that he went right back to it mm-hmm. the year later, right? Yeah. Where Kobe... That was a reinvention. That was a, I'm putting some of the things in my past behind me because they're not gonna define who I am. I'm putting uh, the success that I've had with other teammates behind me because I can't rest on that. And I'm going to change what I'm doing going forward because if I feel like I'm starting over, then I'm gonna continue to have the drive I had from day one versus how I, uh, you know, maybe finally reaching that, that pinnacle at, at year 10. And very few people have the ability to do that. and. That's that's really inspiring when you think about it. Yeah, nah, it was, man. Ooh, boy. <laughs> yeah. again for listening to the latest and greatest episode of eye to eye please don't forget to follow us on fb inspired one enterprises on insta at eye to eye podcast that's the letter i underscore the number two underscore the letter i podcast and of course don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform Leave those five stars and a generous review because you love us and want us to be great as we do you. Thank you once again for rocking with us. And remember, be inspired to inspire because that's what the inspired one does. Was that good, Little Bear? Did I do it? Did I do that? Did I like the the nice white people with the good voices? No? I'm just not going to say nothing. Okay, fine. (sighs) Thank you again, guys. See you next week.